Legends of Sports, the voice of Legends of Sports. When legends speak, people listen. Now, here's your host, the coach, Chuck Hatcher. Welcome back to Sports Sense Out and Out, special edition and a new season of broadcasting. And I hope all of you have great holidays and your New Year resolution is getting ready to be something positive as well. And we want to tell you the things that's happening right now before we get into one of the more specialized uh, interviews and legends that we have uh, on Sports Sense Out and Out. Uh, again this year and we want to expand on it and make it even more on steroids. We got the Dr. Stevie Cummings is back with the medical report of the legends. He is the concierge of the legends of sports. Very, very now uh, a renowned, uh, 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 I would say, voice in our programmatic structure, Max. and. And I'm quite sure all the guys, we just got off the phone with one of the Harlem Globetrotter legends, the Hall of Fame legends, Bobby Zorro Hunter. And of course, he's one that everybody is paying attention to because he talks diligently uh, about when Doc's coming in. He wants some free advice. That's what he was. That's dope what he was. But listen, it's a great situation. Thanks, God, for us to being able to to be a part of the uh, one of the great actors and acting families of uh, of TV and, and movie, uh, Tim Reed, uh, award-winning actor now and filmmaker and storyteller. We are working on his new network, Liberty Cable Legacy TV and Film, and we're so fortunate to be able to broadcast in every English-speaking island nation in the Caribbean and in Central America, as well as our uh, Bermuda sports affiliates now. We're so happy to have uh, uh, the uh, stats, Island Stats and Bermuda Sports involved, which takes care of all the, the, uh, the, the Commonwealth of the England, we are England and, and all the other areas where the English uh, Commonwealth for the Kingdom of England, the way you want to call it, man. Yeah. But listen, let's get started right now. We're going to talk about that a little bit later, and we're going to tell you, please, uh, the the uh, SoundCloud broadcast out of out of Germany is catching on now. We're, we're pulling in well over 16 countries, and of course, it's very hot and popular here, and on Spotify as well, the world's best-renowned uh, network for cable and sounds uh but uh we gonna talk right now we want to get a, get 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 ahead don't get too far ahead of it but we got the news you can use and now we got it where you will have a, the coming from the horse's mouth these are the ones that could give all the legends men and women and all the other fans around the world that listen to us now um let's talk about it uh we, we, we're into a new uh, season, of course, a new year, and a lot of the ball players, men and women now, WNBA and all the others are coming into play. It's a lot of, of uh, illnesses that are coming about that we definitely want to stay in tune with, taking the, the necessary precautions of the COVID 
Lord that the flu and this is a RSV. What do you what do you really call that, Doc? It's some type of respiratory. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Respiratory syncytial yeah. virus. There you go. There you go. And we're going to give a good little uh, overview, Doc, and have Dr. Habibi come in and give us the things that's very concerning because all of these things are interacting with uh, the youth, the, 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 the adults, the, the fans and all, and this is something that's impactful. So let's talk about it now. We know Doc is, I mean, he's also uh, into your team uh, concept there at Tidewater uh, uh, at TPMG, and uh, you know, which is really coming out to be a fantastic facilitator of medicine, both uh, uh, sports medicine and be, uh, and more. Doc, but let's talk about it right now. Give it a shot and give us the news that our sports fans around the world can use when it comes to medical. That's who we have. To help us stay healthy, that dot. Ah, well, I, I've had a few uh, orthopedic type sports medicine people come on the show, and a lot of times when we think about sports and and, uh, and athletics, we think about injuries. Right. But this is the Legends of Sports show, and it's uh, a lot of Legends of Sports and athletes. They don't just have injuries playing sports. They have all the other medical things, too. And I think with uh, a lot of the people listening to your show, uh, maybe uh, a little older than me, and maybe getting time to start to think about some of these other issues that just happened to all of us as we age. Amen. Um, Amen. So rather than beat the the musculoskeletal, bone and joint uh, topic to death, I thought we'd bring on someone who has a lot of relevant information um, about different different systems of the body. Uh, Dr. Mm-hmm. Habibi's and uh, I won't need to tell you what he does, but we'll let him do that for you. Mm-hmm. But um, before we get into medicine, because it's a sports show, I want to hear just a little bit about Joe Habibi, the athlete. Absolutely. Joe. Absolutely. Joe, welcome to the show, and tell me, what do you think about that, uh, that football game last night? Well, uh, first of all, uh, thanks for having me. Um, I appreciate the opportunity. And, um, the, you know, the game was okay. I don't I don't think the end result was too much in question the whole time, but mm-hmm. I kind of, I had it on in the background a little bit while I was doing my work. <laughs> um, but... Just uh, I always anytime there's a, a sports a major sporting event like that on I'm uh, I'm at least watching it uh, in the background of whatever else I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, oh God. No, I just wanted to say it, it was pretty much uh, uh, no doubt that the program was a little bit too strong for the Pac-10, and and uh, you know not that I have that much of a. a a partiality with the University of Michigan, but of course, uh, most of the guys that I played and known with that I still know, of course, uh, that's a tremendous program, and it's a, it's really a uh, a flagship uh, 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 sporting uh, a college university, I should say, of our learning. But 
you know, the, that Pac-10, the, the, the Big Ten, I should say, is, is pretty rough when it comes into established programs. It's only a matter of time that these guys were going to jump up and take it. But uh, it was okay game. Uh, uh, Doc, I, I will take both of you guys. How do you feel about it, Steve? What, what was your, were you surprised about it? Well, um, Michigan's one of those teams that they seem to be either in the conversation or they hit a slump. And uh, right now they're the, they're the top of the conversation. Um, I've had a few of their games over the season and powerhouse, just a powerhouse this year. So yeah. they have this little, little, little black cloud of a little rough yeah. controversy. There's always a little controversy in yeah. college, college basketball, college football, but uh, I think they they put put a lot of the naysayers, uh, you know, they they were one pretty pretty definitively last night. No so. question about it. Hey, let me ask uh, Doc just a few thoughts. Doc, have you listen? You know that this this is the you know the all of us who, who play professional sports and all of my friends, of course, the the, the guys that, that help make the game, Julius, and so many old guys that uh, Oscar and all the guys that that uh, I was fortunate enough to be around and play with. <clears throat> We're in that season now, man. That everybody, one of the great uh, Hall of Famers from from New York, Sam. Sam Stiff of the Stiff Brothers, the first brother duo for the, the New York uh, Knicks. You know, everybody's complaining, uh, Doc, and I know it's, 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 it's like like you said, Steve, it's, it's part of life, and even with me, now, I ain't, hey, we're in the fourth quarter. I ain't in overtime, but we're in the fourth quarter. But uh, <laughs> it, it's, the, it's, the, it's the Euro urology, uh, problems that we that, that that are so prevalent now, and sometimes it looks like Doc is even getting a little bit more acute. Uh, not just in the in the in the in the men, but you know we find all of our different dear dear friends in, in the WNBA the girls, uh, uh, Susan Summons and Nancy Lieberman, Hall of Famers, uh, Annette Woodard, and all the girls. I mean the players. I don't call them girls no more. We call them players. Uh, they're coming, and even some of the girls that in the in the in currently in the in the league, that that uh, that uh, urology, that urinary uh, uh, problems that we so always come up to as, as Steve happened to say so diligently, yeah. uh, it's a problem. Doc, is this something that that's that's coming on even more so, Doc, now with? with the, the, the young athletes or athletes and the men and women? Sure. I mean, I, I think in, in urology, we, we deal with such a broad range of, um, of issues. Uh, these are things that are common um, really across the age spectrum, men and women, but uh, increasing generally with, with age. Um, mm -hmm. Everything from urinary tract infections to incontinence to mm -hmm. uh, prostate cancer, mm -hmm. uh, which we know affects uh, African-American uh, men mm -hmm. more than other uh, races. Mm -hmm. uh, and then uh, kidney stones are, are becoming more common, and that's something that would affect the young athlete as well. Uh, particularly because they're sweating a lot and may not be hydrating adequately. Mm, so mm. Um, kidney stones are, I think, a topic that's pertinent to uh, uh, athletes of all ages. Mm, mm. You're here on something, Doc. I'm going to turn this back over to you, Doc. But that uh, uh, hydration, 
Hydration is so important. These kids got to drink that water and stay off them sodas, man. Yeah. Uh, Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, Um, uh, Hydration, I mean, you you have to account for everything that's being uh, lost in the sweat. And um, these other um, drinks, Gatorade and and the like, are good, but they sometimes have a lot of uh, sodium with it, too. And that Mm -hmm. can also lead to... Uh, kidney stones. So it's just it's something that uh, athletes need to be cognizant of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So is there is there a, if you have an athlete that's had a kidney stone, is there do you suddenly drink pure water, or is there a ratio one water for every Gatorade, or, or what would you recommend to, to an athlete who maybe has a family history of a kidney stone? What do you tell them that that person? Sure. Um, I would tell them what I tell uh, any patient who makes kidney stones. There's not a ratio. Um, There certainly needs to be a large component of water. It it can't just be these other sports drinks. Uh, But there's not a ratio per se. Uh, The the general idea is uh, any individual should be drinking enough fluids to produce, uh, and this is somebody who makes kidney stones, uh, to produce two and a half liters of output uh, per day. And so for, for one person who sits on their couch, that may only require two and a half liters of fluid. But for somebody who's sweating, they may have to drink three or four liters of fluid to get that same output. So we want to focus more on the output uh, and adjust the input accordingly. Got it. So uh, another question on that kidney stone thing. Is there anything in, in someone's diet that you think about? Eat this, don't eat that. Sure. Um, so I think Coach uh, touched on it there with the sodas. Um, sodas are, are a bad thing for kidney stones, particularly the sodas that are brown in color. Um, because of uh, some of the ingredients in there, uh, a clear soda is going to be preferred over a brown soda. Um, but generally, uh, avoidance of sodas and avoidance or limiting of salt. Uh, sodium intake leads to kidney stones. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. No, no, I was just going to come out. Every, every guy in the Retired Players Association is going to be on top of this. I'm t- <laughs> this is what we need. I ain't lying. Yo, well, What's the general recommendation, Dr. Habibi, for when someone needs to see a urologist? I'm in my early 40s. I'll be honest, I haven't even been to a doctor last year. I need to go. But there's a certain age, there's an age when, hey, I just go to my family practice doctor and they'll tell me when to go, or. Should everybody be getting in to see you around just at a certain point, just for routine checkup? Um, so it's 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 kind of a mixed answer. I mean, generally, um, if we're talking about uh, like for prostate cancer, uh, for example, when when men should begin testing for that, it's generally at age fifty five. Uh, sometimes the recommendation is for a few years earlier, like at age fifty. Uh, in, in patients who are at increased risk, such as African-Americans or uh, patients with a family history of prostate cancer. And in that case, you have to go by the age uh, where the family member was affected and generally try to get in and get evaluated a few years prior to that age. 
Um, so it is going to be uh, dependent a little bit uh, from person to person. Um, and I would say that you have to come into the urologist at that age, but it should at least be a discussion that's had with the primary care doctor uh, whether uh, an evaluation is necessary, and then they can take the appropriate steps and perhaps uh, place a referral if necessary. Mm -hmm. Wow. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then one of the common urological things people... Uh, you know, man in particular is getting up in the middle of the night to use the bathroom. Mm -hmm. is, is this just something, hey, we should say, hey, let's accept it as part of aging, or at what point is it, are there things that men can do naturally, diet, or maybe hydration-wise, when they drink, to, to help as that becomes something that's more common? Do you have any thoughts or, or things you can tell us about that? Absolutely. So um, getting up at night is something that we see affect both men and women. Uh, the issues obviously can be a little bit different, but some of them are the same. Uh, the first thing to look at, would we ask about how much it bothers the patient. Uh, we may have a patient who gets up three times a night and just kind of mentions it in passing or only because we ask and they're not bothered by it, then we generally are not going to get too concerned about that. On the other hand, somebody else might get up once or twice and not be able to go back to sleep and be really uh, bothered by that. It's affecting their day the next day because they haven't gotten good sleep. Um, so that's that's where we start. And then uh, the first question to ask would be, uh, how much are they drinking before bed? So I mentioned uh, kidney stone patients need to drink a lot, uh, but somebody who's getting up at night, uh, we would ask that they try to uh, taper that off as they get within the last two or three hours before bed. So we look at these behavioral things that would be a relatively easy fix first, um, and then we kind of go from there to determine if it's maybe a bladder issue, uh, or, which we will see commonly in, in women, or more of a prostate issue, which obviously we would only see in men. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, just from a curiosity standpoint, how much time are you spending in your of your week in the office, maybe just seeing patients or office procedures, and then how much time are you spending in the operating room in a week, day-wise, and then what kind of procedures is it that, that a urologist does? Sure. So I, I currently spend uh, about two days in the operating room and three days in the office. Um, my operating room time has increased because I've been able to get uh, other providers, a nurse practitioner and physician assistant in here uh, to help see the office patients so that I can focus more uh, on the surgeries. Um, we do, do, I do a quite a bit of uh, office-based procedures. Uh, most of these are diagnostic procedures to evaluate some of the um, issues that we've touched on here. Um, but it's a, it's a pretty good mix, and it, it, uh, it constantly keeps things uh, fresh for me. Well, there's, it seems like there's been... A I don't know, developments, and I, I won't even know where to start on um, prostate cancer kind of diagnosis and treatment. It seems like I see patients, and they, they've been on, they've had prostate cancer for many years, and they're on some sort of fancy medication I didn't learn about in medical school, and they're able to just kind of one of what seems like a pretty normal life, and they'll have this cancer diagnosis. I, I often think of cancer is just really 
ominous thing. And then sometimes all these patients, they're like, oh, well, you know, I just take this medication. And but what, what's, what's new or different? Uh, what's going on in, in the world of, of prostate cancer? Sure. So, so this is a rapidly uh, evolving area. Um, the, the first thing that I would stress is uh, by no means am I saying not to get tested, but prostate cancer often is a disease that um, a lot of men can live with. About 50% of prostate cancers that we diagnose, uh, those men uh, are candidates for what we call active surveillance, where their prostate cancer is not aggressive enough to need treatment and they can safely be monitored uh, generally for uh, many years uh, without that cancer or that disease uh, progressing in any way or causing any problems. Uh, on the other hand, the other 50% uh, do go on to, to need treatment uh, because a large number of men uh, still die from prostate cancer every year uh, in this country and, and all over the world. Um, so uh, sometimes that involves removing the prostate, sometimes that involves radiation treatments, um, and then there's even worse cases where the disease has already uh, spread to other parts of the body, and I think that's where um, some of the drugs that you mentioned maybe uh, are coming into play is when the disease has spread. Uh, because then we're no longer talking about a cure, mm. but we are talking about chronic management and something mm. that we can generally uh, control for uh, a good number of years um, by by uh, by way of different medications and, and moving from one medication to another. And it's a, it's a rapidly evolving field, and there's many new drugs coming out in that area, um, uh, almost it seems like on a, on a monthly basis. Mm -hmm. So as a surgeon... You know, I'm a surgeon. There's sometimes we're in a situation where, well, if you're a hammer, everything's in there, and we're, we're we want to fix the problem by cutting out a disease. And and you know, there's proton treatments and radiation and medicine. I guess it probably depends on the patient. It's probably not a, a one size fits all answer. But can you speak a little bit to? A patient who doesn't have a cancer has just a benign, large prostate. What are kind of the top two or three treatments, and when would a patient take one of those, you know, common treatments? Sure. So we're, we're talking about benign uh, prostate disease. This is enlargement of the prostate gland that's not cancerous, that is causing uh, some of the symptoms we discussed earlier, like getting up a lot at night. Um, again, we would start with the degree of bother that it's causing the patient. Generally, if they're seeing a urologist, that means that they're, they're already bothered uh, by the condition. Uh, we often will try medications first. It's not a, a requirement to do that, but just kind of, you know, to see how the patient responds. Uh, maybe that kind of fixes the issue right there, and they're, they're happy just staying on the medication. Uh, in other cases, uh, the medication's not enough, or patients have side effects from the medication. And so there's um, a, a large number, uh, at least half a dozen ways, probably, that we can surgically uh, address the prostate that doesn't involve a complete removal. So that avoids um, the, a lot of the side effects that would come with a radical uh, prostate removal for cancer. Um, and this is anything from uh, like a urolift procedure to kind of separate the two sides of the prostate, 
uh, to opening up a, a better channel uh, with a laser and, and various means of going about uh, achieving that. And it's really based on uh, what the patient's goal is and the various um, slightly different side effects from each procedure in terms of uh, sometimes sexual function and, and those issues. Hmm. Wow. It, it, do you find yourself using robots in urologic surgery? And, you know, we, I think a lot of times in, in my field, people hear about a laser or a robot or a computer and they, they're so excited because they heard the word and, I, and then it's have out the cloud or when it's useful. Do, are you, is there a, a, any role of robots in, in what type of surgeries you're doing? Yes, um, as a urologist, we, we use the robot, uh, the Da Vinci robot, surgical robot, um, quite a bit. Uh, the most common application would be for the radical prostate removal uh, for a prostate that is cancerous. Um, it can also be used for uh, kidney surgery to remove kidney tumors. Um, and then also for extreme cases where the prostate is, is really enlarged and not, not cancerous, and, uh, but too large to be addressed by some of those other means like the laser, um, then we can also go in there in a, in a minimally invasive way with the robot and, and address that. Oh. Uh, so, Doc, I, I, just to cook, this, this is, man, I'm going, I'm learning all so much. I'm, I'm been, um, uh, I've been a neophyte. Man, all this kind of stuff. <laughs> you tell robots? Let, oh, thank you, Jesus. I'm glad I got you, Doc. Uh, one thing, <laughs> one thing, and, and, and I'm going to get to it to the personal thing because, uh, Dr. BB, of course, is uh, my urologist. I got to put that out there, but he's all right. Uh, also, uh, I'm quite sure a lot of guys, a lot of guys that, 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 that are in my, in my business that I talk to and work with all over the world, uh, uh, all of us have, uh, uh, have, uh, uh, situations of uh, uh, erectional dysfunction. Uh, uh, let's talk about that. Is there just? I'm just want to ease across it now. I'm not going to make a complete uh, situation of it now. Uh, what's the latest and the greatest? <laughs> <laughs> what is the latest and the greatest? I, I really want to know. <laughs> no inquiring buys. Want to know? <laughs> Oh, yeah. Asking for a friend. Asking right. for a friend. There you go. Uh, Steve, oh, you know I love you like this, but I'm telling you, you know how to correct stuff. Well, what to get it for me, Steve. Go ahead. Uh, what, what's up, Doc? Give, 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 give my guys and, and all of us out there a little sure. So, so the, the question is uh, uh, about erectile dysfunction. That's correct. Um, it, it's... <laughs> It's very common. I, I have to kind of reiter, reiterate that to patients every day. Um, I had a guy in his 40s in here today who, mm -hmm. who couldn't believe he was having this discussion with me, but mm -hmm. I had to pull up some um, some statistics where it shows about 40% of men uh, by age 40 or in their 40s are affected by this. Uh, so the first thing to realize is that it's common. Um, I often will get the question from, from men uh, whether it's their other medications uh, that are causing the issue. 
And I say that, uh, sure, that's part of it, but that's probably not all of it because they're on those medications for a reason. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, for example, some high blood pressure medications uh, can contribute to this problem of erectile dysfunction. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I have to remind patients that they're on high blood pressure medication because they have high blood pressure. And um, that is a leading cause of erectile dysfunction is high blood pressure uh, diabetes. And... um, you know, in terms of treatments, we've got everything from the pills that I think everyone is uh, is aware of um, to some more uh, mechanical options, I'll say, uh, to uh, medications that would be delivered more directly to the uh, to the to the area that we're talking about. Right. Um, but but typically, we're going to start with the with the easiest thing, which is the the medications that are that are taken by mouth. All right, right, right. Well, well, you know, this. Uh, we will continue this conversation, Doc, at a later time. <laughs> oh, boy, I love it. Uh, guys, I'm not going to, I just, not to disrupt the, 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 uh, the sequence of, of conversation here, but uh, I just had to put that out there. Doc, you, and this 40 years old thing, Dr. Stephen Cummins, you are a baby. Stop it. You are, you are looking. <laughs> Move you guys. I don't want to hear that no more. I don't want to hear it no more. Okay. All right. I'm sorry, Steve. You'll just go ahead and continue. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I'm at that point where I have one point to pick up basketball. I hurt in the morning now. I'm, I, I, I relate to you, Coach. I'm, I'm starting to understand the ravages of old age. You got me in the Oh, my God. You, you're in the third quarter. If you're in the third, you're at halftime. I'm in the fourth quarter. Uh, no, well, I'm in the fourth quarter trying to get out of the overtime. So listen. <laughs> oh my God, I love these guys. But anyway, uh, go, ahead, go ahead, Steve. I'm, I'm not going. I'm not going. I want. I definitely want to hear the rest of this now. I'm going to be. I'm going to be good. I'm, I'm not going. I'm intrigued about this this erectile dysfunction. So statistics-wise, you said 40% of men in their 40s. And uh, what kind of success do you see with some of your treatments, you know, people are presenting? You have a pretty high success rate uh, in treating these types of conditions. Uh, yes. So the, the 40 percent would be, you know, any kind of issues at all, ranging from mild to severe. So these are not right. a, it's not 40 percent that have a complete right. uh, problem, but they, they have some degree of an issue there. And um, the success rates with the treatments are, are generally very high. We would mm. define success in this case as basically uh, patient satisfaction. Mm. Um, do they feel like the issues address, you know, completely? Um, and, and then the rates are going to be well above um, 80%. I mean, mm. we can really take it almost to 100%, but it depends, the, you know, to what lengths the, the patient wants to go, um, even, uh, you know, as far as some surgical uh, options there. Um, but just in terms of the, the easy things, um, the medications uh, generally are going to be uh, effective for probably 80% of men. And it's not it's not a static thing. I mean, it, uh, these things change over time. So um, the medications may work initially, and then as, as age uh, progresses, then the medications become less effective, and we have to move on to the other options. All right, all right, all right, all right. Yeah. So here's a little bit of an out-there question for you, Joe. Uh, but 
There's times when a patient delays care because, um, you know, it's a private thing or, you know, they get busy. Are there patients that you've seen that you say, oh, boy, I wish you'd seen me sooner, or that person out there that maybe has a urologic issue? What what can you say to the person? So, hey, you know, look after this, look after that, or what if you could, if, you, if, if there's somebody out there listening, and you're the urologist that can catch and say, hey, what, what would you say to those people out there? Or is that too weird of a question to answer? Uh, no, I mean, I, I think you're just asking, you know, what, um, you know, who should not put off seeing a, a urologist, yeah. I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, certainly, what, one of the things that shouldn't be ignored that we see all the time is blood in the urine. Mm. Um, it, it, you know, that is especially, I mean, if, if the patient's seeing it, that, that means there's a lot of it there. Um, so that that's something that, that should never be ignored. Um, it should at least be discussed with the primary uh, a doctor, but that often will prompt a, a urology uh, referral because um, it, it not infrequently that that ends up with a with a cancer diagnosis. And there, there's certainly other things. Um, it may not be anything. It could be as simple as an infection or uh, a common kidney stone. Uh, but blood in the urine certainly should not be ignored. And then the other big thing is just back to the prostate cancer. Uh, screening. Uh, one of the uh, task force for the U.S. government several years back uh, came out with a recommendation against uh, prostate cancer screening with the PSA blood test, which is the only way we have to screen for prostate cancer. And the rationale uh, a lot of us feel was kind of uh, misguided um, looking at uh, large groups of men who either had the test or didn't, and they didn't see any um, uh, difference in their survival. But we know a lot of men die from prostate cancer, as I yes, mentioned earlier. Yes, yes, so yes. it's about not sticking your head in the sand, having the test done if you're in the appropriate age ranges, which, again, is typically 55 to 70. Mm -hmm. And then it's more important what we do with the test. We're not going to just react and immediately uh, put the patient through a prostate biopsy as we mm -hmm. have in the past. We're going to repeat the test, and we're going to use some mm -hmm. other tests perhaps along the way mm -hmm. uh, before we before we do anything you know that would be considered uh, somewhat invasive. So I would uh, advise uh, men, uh, again, in their 50s, 60s, and maybe into their 70s a little bit um, to, to, to do their prostate cancer screening test. It's just a blood test. You know, what you just said, uh, you know, when we're talking about the archaic guys, you know, if someone, a doc, if someone mentioned don't take a PSI test to my group of guys, they would like to invite him in the bathroom. And he would not come out because that is, that's a gospel thing for us, man. You know, the, that test is what we always talked about because we've lost too many, uh, oh, my God, uh, dear friend of Sam Jones and, and, and Jojo White and, and all. I, I, I go on and on and on, all the great legends of, of both NFL, NBA, and, and, and all of us. That, uh, that test, doctors, uh, are our, uh, uh, what you call, our, our standard to make sure we even comfortable saying your test became your, your test is normal, your test is this. This gives you that that mental 
uh, satisfaction of knowing you're on the right track, and you at least you got some some you know some numer uh, uh, numerical longevity happening here. So I would tell uh, now it is jovial. I'm being a joking a little bit in this thing. That doctor that told you or told anyone out there, though, well that the, the, that test is not uh, uh, accurate. I would like to see him in the bathroom. And, you know what I mean? <laughs> Let me stop. <laughs> but uh, I, I, I wouldn't even want to see him or, or venture to a, 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 the office that he's at. I'm going to tell you, I put him all over the news worldwide. Stay away from this guy. But anyway, but uh, for, 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 for us laymen, man, this is, this is something that's gospel for us. And when I heard that you were coming on, Doc, I'm, I have to say, you know I had to tell the cats who's coming so that uh, you get some good listeners on this one. You can believe that. But it, it's, it's something that's very, very impactful to have uh, the, 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 uh, the, the confidence and the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the confidence in a doctor that, that you know is going to give you something that you need to, to, to know and hear. And not what he wants to tell you, what the situation uh, of 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 it is with the with the patient. So, you know, I'm again. I'm, I had to come. I had to put a time out on that one to say that. Uh, whoever he is, give me his name. Give me. I'm just kidding. Let me stop. <laughs> let me let you guys get back. This is a fantastic thing, and Don, we you know we're gonna have to have you back. No question about this. Uh, but this is the type of things that, and and the quite kind of information that that uh, that all of the legends, the people who thrive all our lives to do something and make a living playing a child's game. This is what we like to hear for 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 the the young generation to understand that uh, we're giving them the the ultimate thing that they can they can hang their hats on is news that they can use to make their lives, their careers, if they are still playing, and their families a little bit more comfortable and at ease with what's going on in, the, uh, in their mates and their, 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 uh, their lives. And Doc, uh, let's talk about it. Anything else that, uh, that, that you got, Doc, that we can hear before we get into this last elevator here? Well, I'm going to ask you one more quick yes, question. Yes, yes, yes. I'm going to preface this with uh, this is like the taboo, like where you know you're around the authority, maybe you know we're nervous to talk about it, it's embarrassing. Mm -hmm. But um, with all the testing we've got in our eyes, we've got CAT scans, we've got blood tests. How? What's the, is there an indication? For a digital exam, meaning you know, your eyes just uses his finger to feel the plastic. Is that something that needs to happen? Does grandma need a certain screening like that at a certain point, or is it only done at certain times? I think like sure. when I was training 15 years ago, it was I don't even remember what the recommendation was, but I know that's maybe a certain people might think, oh, I don't want to go to the doctor because. Yeah, that's weird. Well, what's the indication for that? How does that help you? Sure. Uh -huh. 
So uh, that, that exam that you're talking about, a, a digital exam to, to feel uh, if there's any nodules in the prostate, um, that should be part of the prostate cancer uh, screening process to go along with the PSA test. It just takes a few seconds. Um, we have seen that it is uh, utilized a lot less often. Um, a lot of primary care doctors are not doing it. Um, they feel like uh, either they can rely on the, the PSA blood tests entirely, which, you know, we, we've, we've touched on that there, there's issues there. Uh, but it's generally, if the PSA is normal, that's generally a, a, good, a good reassurance that there's nothing going on. But there are certainly cases where um, the disease is only found by feeling it. And so um, that's something that, that should be done, uh, preferably on just a yearly basis. Um, but again, in, that, in the target age range of about 55 to 70, um, and, and outside of that age range, except in extenuating circumstances like a family history or something like that, uh, then it's then it's not as important. Wow, and that's based on statistics of disease and, and what, how you touch that that target age, I guess. Yes, that's correct. Because uh, again, after seventy, we we do have to tell a lot of patients, particularly here in our community, where um, there's a lot of older patients, well into their eighties and nineties and beyond. Um, we we often do have to tell that age range. Uh, not to continue testing on, on a screening basis. A screening means that a test is done looking for something in the absence of any symptoms of that condition uh, because a, a, a man who's 90 with no symptoms of, of prostate cancer um, does not need to worry about prostate cancer. So we, we really, and, and that was some of the problems with uh, the PSA test being applied across the board. It needs to be applied to the appropriate um, target population. It makes a lot of sense. It definitely makes sense there. Well, I must tell you, I've learned a whole lot, and I know our listeners and all of the legends and their families and uh, have, have really zeroed in on this one, and I'm so, so happy to be able to have the only sports, uh, I would say, a, a legends broadcast. We're not just sports. We're legends of sports, and and uh, we are very, very happy to be able to to offer and have this type of broadcast for our for our listeners. Sports medicine is tremendously important, but the the the, the concierge, the person who comes and gives special attention to sports legends and the and their and their their situations is something that uh, is very dear and very catchy. It's very, very uh, important, not just catching on. It is important to us now. And uh, this is something that's very gender-friendly. It's it's something that all of us need. And I know that this broadcast now being put on the, 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 we call it the steroids regime, through the Spotify's and also the the, uh, the 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 show will be aired and on our networks uh, with Liberty Cable and the Caribbean Cable Network and of course Bermuda Sports. Hey Doc, once again, you you, you guys have shot a three pointer. Uh, it's not overtime. I'm glad of that. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it's so important, and Doctor Bibi, uh, you know, not just for being my doctor and being such a close 
uh, teammate of the of the doctor that uh, we think so much of, Stephen. Uh, we want to definitely make sure that you come back a couple of times a year because this is very, very important. Now, all joking aside, Doc, you are very, very key to having the type of news that our legends can use, and we want to make sure that you come back. Yeah. And I, I just I want to thank you for having me. Uh, thank you both for, for inviting me on. I've, uh, I've appreciated and enjoyed it. No question about it. But, Doc, you do what you do so, so well, uh, Doc, and you're a member of the Legends family now. And I'm so thank happy you. that, uh, that uh, you've joined the team because teamwork makes the dream work. No question about it. Stephen Cummings, my brother, who can't shoot a jump shot. Uh, but he can, he, he can, he can ski. He goes all over the place. Go, well, are you going to Mount Everest? Where are you going next, man? Where are you going, Steve? Are you going? I'm in Tahoe with some friends this year. Are you? And then, 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 uh, then finally, uh, somewhere else with the family after that. But uh, 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 not 100% on the other trip. I'm looking forward to it. Have you seen a Bigfoot up there? <laughs> Have you seen a big Maybe that's what I'm talking about. Yeti, that's right. Yeah. 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 yeah, it's a different branch, right? Mm, yeah, okay. Well, anyway, thank you so much. Uh, Doc, we're going to see you soon. You know, I'm going to see you soon, Doc. I've been around. Oh, man. And Dr. Bibi, you know, I, I will go and let everybody know he's by. Urologist, yes, he is. I wasn't joking about that. Said he always uh, comes around and give me a little uh, news that I can use. Uh, okay, so listen. Thank you so much for letting us be a part of your day with the medical update. That's right, the concierge of our legends of sports, Doctor Stephen Cummins, with the medical update with. Dr. Habibi, my man. I got to I gotta draft him in the first round. He's my urologist. He's my urologist. I ain't thinking about nobody else. But anyway, God bless you, man. Thank you a lot for, for being a part of, uh, of the team and giving us the news that all of our listeners around the world can use. And I want to thank you so much for letting us be your listening uh, uh, protege for the day. Uh, as always, we like to say one thing. When legends speak, everybody, everybody, everybody listens. All right, God bless y'all, and thank you so much, and thank you for letting us be a part of your listening day with the great legends of sports. Okay, guys, thank you so much. God bless. Thank you.